on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Newark. Well, hello again. You are, as I said just a few minutes ago, listening to the girls around town here on Radio Newark with me, June Rollins, in the chair. And on the other side of the desk from me right now, my first guest of the day, as I said uh, before Boston just then, he's come all the way from Australia, not specially to do Radio Newark, I must must add, but um, he has been in Newark for the last couple of weeks almost now and he is called trace dan but he's also known as captain cranky pants and he's here to tell us why trace good morning oh good morning june how are you i'm good thank you a little bit on the chilly side but otherwise not too bad thank you very much indeed for coming in right we're going to start by explaining a little bit about you telling our listeners who you are and why you're over in the uk at the moment so first of all tell us a bit about your background your general background well, about uh, 1982, I think it was, I joined the Australian Army and did a whole bunch of things for that whole period of peace that we had uh, during the 80s and, and 90s. And um, I did all that for a bit of uh, 19 years, I think it was, before I got out and started to join the civil service. Then I became a bit of a consultant, did some consulting work around town, as, as most senior civil servants do. And then... Uh, I was asked to go back into the army on a reserve posting uh, to run rock concerts overseas uh, in the Middle East for all the coalition troops. So I did that for a few years and then uh, went out and set up my own entertainment business uh, and started to run international concerts with people like Frank Ifield. And we used to tour around uh, Europe or England and, uh, and Australia with those shows. Uh, then I, what else did I do? I did a bit more, just a bit more consulting work I did, and then a bit more Army Reserve work. Then I started to find, though, that as I was working with the creative people in the entertainment industry, that there was a bit of a clash between their approach to life and my approach to life, because I was suddenly rigid and regimental kind of thing, wanted to, wanted to do the things properly, whereas the creative people wanted to, you know, be creative, darling, type thing. So we had a bit of a clash, and they all thought I was just a bit grumpy. And at the same time, I was also a bit grumpy at home, and my kids decided to christen me Captain Cranky Pants because they just thought it would be funny. But that, for some reason, caught on amongst all the people in the entertainment industry that knew me. So I was just this Captain Cranky Pants because I was always grumpy about something or seemed grumpy about something because I wanted things done my way. But what was really going on was during my time in the Middle East, it appears that um, I, well, contracted, shall we say, uh, PTSD and depression. And it was just bubbling away underneath the surface for, for 10 years as I built my entertainment business and did all this, this other stuff that I was, I was doing. Uh, with this facade, uh, so it was like a swan on the, on the lake, this nice smooth thing floating down the, down the river or down the lake, it's looking absolutely beautiful. Uh, confident, uh, self-assured, uh, able to make the right decisions all the time. Whereas beneath the surface, there was all this turmoil going on. There the was, legs paddling madly. Oh, the paddling legs and the, you know, <laughs> the flapping, all, all sorts of carry-on was, was, was going on. Um, but I didn't realise it. I thought this was just normal. And I thought that's what everybody went through. But it appears it's not, evidently. So um, uh, around in the middle of August, I decided 
uh, I might go and speak to somebody about these this the, this anger that I had and this uh, this being depressed and sad all the time. And uh, they suddenly said, "Oh, yeah, you got PTSD and uh, a depressive disorder." And I thought, "Oh, that's a bit strange." I thought this is just like a normal type thing. Said, no, 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 no. There's 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 the stuff we can do about it and all that type of stuff. I went through a whole range of therapy therapists type thing where we used to i mean remember we used to laugh at the americans for having therapists <laughs> we've all got them now <laughs> it's a bit like, it's a bit like coca-cola and mcdonald's really um it just american culture just, just spreads out um so i did that type of that that, that uh, therapy and everything and i found that one of the things i wanted to do was to stop waking up in the middle of the night and laying in bed thinking about what's happened, what can happen, what the future's going to hold, what the worries are. And I said, well, I want to train my brain so instead of it sitting there doing its own thing, is to make it do things myself. So I started to write blogs or a blog post about my journey from being diagnosed with PTSD and depression through to, well, what the well, recovery to being normal, in quotation marks. Uh, who knows what normal is really in, in the world today. Did all that. And suddenly um, I found people were reading it, which is something weird. You don't expect people to read these things. And, and it was spreading out and, and people were interested. And I had people calling me up from, I knew 25 years ago. And they were saying, I just put into words in that blog what they hadn't been able to, what they hadn't been able to work out in their brain for the last 25 years. Um, and I thought, well, that's a bit rewarding. Oh, that's, 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 that's good. And other people ringing me up saying, hey, I feel the same as that. I thought it was just me. I said, no, no, it's, it's, it's me as well. And you're not, you're not alone in this type of thing. And then I found that people may have wanted to hear, hear from me. So I start talking about it and ringing them up or they ring me or we'd message each other. And so I decided, well, why don't I try and do some official or formal type talks? So I set up this couple of talks here uh, in, in England this month, uh, also trying to set up a bigger tour for next year, which is seems to be coming together at the moment, where I actually get out there, uh, get people into uh, a venue of some sort with who have PTSD or they know somebody with PTSD or their family's member members got PTSD, whether they're army, military or air force, and I talk about it. And we'll talk um, in a few minutes. We'll have a little bit of music first and then we'll talk in a bit more detail about the talks, particularly the one that's happened already earlier this week, Wednesday. Was it Wednesday, I think? Yes, it was, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, Wednesday. Um, and the one that's coming up next week. But before we do that, we're going to hear from George Ezra. George Ezra there and Hold My Girl. That is his latest song, I believe. You're listening to the Girls Around Town here on Radio Do It with me, June Rollins, and with my guest, my first guest of the morning, Trace Dan, who's, as we said, come over from Australia to Newark. It's not your first trip to Newark, though, is it, Trace? No, no, I'm, I'm sorry if I was a bit boring last Not uh, at last all. Night. I was a bit boring. I we to need to set myself. the scene. Yeah. No, yes. that's true, yes. Uh, it's always embarrassing when you're doing a talk and you fall asleep yourself. But, um, mm, uh, yeah, not ideal. It's like the little trick of being out when you're talking on the phone with somebody don't like you hang up when you're talking yourself <laughs> they think oh it's disconnected somehow uh no june i was here in newark <laughs> sorry in um in may initially with uh, frank ifield we did a talking evening at uh, carriages cafe at um at the railway station a uh, castle newark castle railway station That's right. oh, see, yes. I, I know the, i know the lingo now you're getting there and, yes and, uh, 
why they don't have the two railway stations joined up at the summer? I've got some strange thing. <clears throat> I don't know. But um, we did that, and it was, it was wonderful. It was really, really uh, a lovely night, and uh, we looked after very well by, the, by all the staff there. And I came back in, oh, what was it? Uh, in oh, November to do on a holiday. I decided to come over here. Because of the depression, uh, what I'd been told to do by, by one of the therapists was to go and do something you've always wanted to do. And something I've always wanted to do was to see a whole bunch of 70s rock bands that are here in England and they're touring around. So I came over to do that and I saw one, I saw, I saw ELO with, with, actually with Jeff Lynn and I saw uh, John Fogarty, Slade, Mud and 10CC all in one, in one big hit and it was just absolute heaven for me who's a guy who's, who's never left the 70s. Um, people, say, people say grow up, I say what, what for? You know, it, it, we all get old. It just takes a lot of skill to remain immature. And um, what happened is, is, is I, I contacted uh, Wendy from from Carriages Cafe and, and said, "Look, I'm coming through. I'm going to be thinking about doing a few things later on in the year or next year. Can I come and talk to you about some stuff?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah, please do." So I came in, and we decided that what we'll do is, is these talks, uh, or one of these talks about depression and PTSD. And it's a very serious subject, but I really try to lighten it up a bit. I was going to say, it, it, it doesn't sound like an entertaining evening until you explain it a little bit more. Yeah. Yes. Look, yeah. I've, I've always been... I was always a school rat bag. I was that, that kid up the back who always had the, the witty quip. Um, I'd, I'd be sitting... Even even when I was in the corporate world doing consulting and, and, and that type of stuff, a senior sales executive in a multinational... Um, I'll be sitting in these, senior, these serious sales meetings and I'll just be coming out with these funny one-liners and people would try to tell me off but they're too busy laughing at what I've, what I've been saying. I, when, I left, when I left the corporate world, uh, the, the HR manager, the human resources manager, I don't know what they're called now, the HR partner or whatever they're called in the corporate world nowadays, she came up to me and she said, yeah, thanks, Trace, it's been great working with you, it's been really wonderful. I said, look, I don't know how how you lasted. You know, I mean, I know I was incorrect, politically, politically incorrect a lot of times, and I, I was always mucking around and being a bit of a, a bit of a rat bag. And she said, yeah, but it's very hard to actually tell you off when I'm laughing at what you're saying. <laughs> and so it was that type of th- my whole life has been like that. And then what I'm trying to work with this is with the whole thing of having PTSD and depression. You can you can easily sit back and feel sorry for yourself. You can spend hours and days and weeks, if you like, sitting in your armchair watching television. Uh, and I did that. I did that until I suddenly realised I needed to do something. So when I had the therapy started, uh, when I saw a psychiatrist as well, got some, some lovely tablets um, prescribed to me, got me up out of the seat, and I started to decide that's what I wanted to start doing these, these talks and getting out and about and having having a bit of fun with it and so i get out there to these these do these talks and i try not to be too serious i try to be entertaining light-hearted and funny about it it's very hard to get a room full of depressives to laugh but once they loosen up a bit uh they do start to enjoy the evening because it's it's a little bit different there's no facts and figures there's no slide after slide you know, powerpoint slide after powerpoint slide of facts and figures drugs symptoms you know all that type of stuff because that's just boring what the story is, is is my story from diagnosis to where I am now. And where I am now is only four months down the track 
from actually being diagnosed. My psychiatrist has said that it's one of the quickest turnarounds he's ever seen. Um, but you still have your days. The other day, I had, I, did, I, did, I had one of those days the other day, but it's just you know how to handle it so you can manage it. And what I want to try and do is tell people how I managed it and what I did and what my story was in an attempt to let them know that they're not alone and that they can manage it. It just takes a little bit of mind control of their own to to make it happen and to make it um, more relaxing for them. You talk about climbing out of the pit of despair. That's that's how you describe it or or describe the process that people need to go through. It's a sad sad thing. This this pit of despair is, is... a thing that you get into when you get depressed and you're in this pit and there's nothing anybody can do about it doesn't matter how many friends come up and 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 say hey you're fantastic i love you you think you think you're brilliant um or yeah you'll be right or can we do this or can we work together can we help help you help you with this there's not the best thing to do with the depressive person is really just to leave them alone and let them work through it themselves provide support and help but don't try to, to, to don't, don't don't continually try to make things better for them because so, it just makes it worse. So you need to let them know that you're there. That they, they sorry, they need to let the depressive know that they're there, yeah. but not actually muscle yeah. in, as it were, to try and um, yeah. what, jolly them along. None of this oh, man yes. up business oh, and, oh, and, the, and whatever. Yeah, man up, get over it. Uh, you'll be right. Uh, things are fine. It's all tickety boo. Don't don't be such a sook. All those all those things that that, that people say. They're all there, um, but they're, they're, they're just inane comments because it's not you physically or mentally controlling how you're feeling. It's your brain actually telling you what, what you're going to feel, and there's not much you can do about it. So all the help, though, when you, if, if love and affection and all that type of stuff is brought in and, and given to you, in this pit of despair, how I would describe it is it all just piles up in the bottom of the pit of despair. And it just sits there, and you're in the dark. You can't even see the light. The only way you know which is up is because your tears fall down. So the yeah, opposite way is up. As that's the, you know, that's the way you've got to go. And eventually, your mind sets. Your, your mind changes. And you just say, oh, well, let me get out of this pit for a while. Let me see if I can get out of it. And then what happens is you, you go around and all these these accolades and, and, and love and support and praise and every, that everybody's given you while you've ignored it, you start to grab it and you just pull it forward, pull it around you, and you build a little little hill inside the pit which gives you the base from which you can start to climb out of this pit and climbing out is not easy it it is you, you can't if you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel um that, that that type of thing um but you climb and you climb and you climb eventually you get your hand to the top and you can look around and say okay let's get over this and then a, a big push and then you can climb out of this pit and then get away from it um and, and this is the kind of thing that you were sharing with people in Devon on Wednesday night. So, um, small village, yes. um, quite a few people there, though, Yeah, we, such a we small had, village. It was a full house. We actually had to bring chairs in. Um, we, we, we had, however many people, I can't remember how many people it was, um, already booked, uh, booked online, or they'd booked uh, in person at, at, at the venue. And then a whole bunch of people just showed up at the door. Um, so, oh, right, okay, good. <laughs> goodness um because i mean we tried to get the sales done beforehand but people are still welcome to come to the door the only reason we try to get people there uh, registering beforehand is so that we know the catering sure because um at carriages for example we're going to have a, a welcome drink when people arrive 
um, and, and other stuff going on during during the day. Right. And how and and the audience that you had, or the audience that you're aiming at, um, all people with similar condition, or are, are we talking no, family and no. friends? Or we we had. I, I I thought this this is mainly military because of my military background. But what I found at the down in Devon was there was about 60, 60 percent were military, but then there were police. There was actually a forensic um, uh, doctor who had had a you know, life of just cutting up bodies, and sometimes it dawned on him what he was actually doing. Uh, there was uh, family members. There were society members, uh, people who knew somebody with a disorder, and also spouses. And the spouses are the important bit because the spouse thinks they are being ignored and, and being hated uh, by the depressive or the, by the person with PTSD because when you've got the PTSD and you've got the hyper-arousal type stuff going on, you're always looking around, wondering what's going on, trying to make sure that everything's safe. So it's very hard to actually make eye contact and maintain eye contact with people that, that you're talking with. And so the person you're talking thinks you're not paying attention. But what you're doing is you're just really scanning around, making sure everything is safe all the time. It's not a good thing, but um, it, it, it's also that other thing where you get some people who go into restaurants and they've got PTSD, and they want they, they need they need to sit in a certain place in the restaurant. They need to be able to see the exit, see who comes in, and see who goes out. They need to be able to see out of the windows, see what's going on in in the restaurant itself. And so you'll find that if you ever took four PTSD guys out to a restaurant. <laughs> it'll be a battle over who sat where. It'll be a bit of, a bit of sport as to who, who got the seat of command. <laughs> so, so, so the response from the audience, um, you have a Q&A, I think, at the end of, of the presentation the, as well. The, yeah. A good response with people? Yeah. yeah, the presentation was supposed to go uh, about an hour. It, it, went about an, it went an hour and a half uh, once once it finally ran all the way through and, and we discussed everything. But the Q&A went for about half an hour and there's all sorts of questions where people took a part of what I talked about in, in, in the show itself and wanted to expand on that point. Uh, other people brought up other ideas and other suggestions and said, you know, what, what do you think of this? How would you handle that? And I said, well, look, I'm not a professional. I'm not a medical expert. I don't, I'm not a mental health expert. It's just my experience. But if my experience was anything to match this is what I would have done in that situation, or this is what I did do when that, when that occurred. Um, and then afterwards, uh, it was even the next morning, I was getting emails, or, or sorry, emails, how old-fashioned. Uh, I was getting messages um, on FaceSpace or BookFace or whatever, whatever, whatever they're called, these, these young person things. And um, people were actually saying, I know it's only been overnight or a day, but you've made a change in my life already. Fantastic. And that's just magic. That, um, because that is the whole point of doing it, is it not? Yes, that's, that's why you're doing it. It's, it's, the whole thing is about the people in the audience. It's not about me. I'm just a, a vehicle that's talking about an experience that I've had. These people in the audience are probably going through the same thing, and the important thing with them is to let them know that they're not alone in what they're doing. And, and there's other people, even in the room with sitting next to them, um, who are going through exactly the same thing. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing to know that you're not alone in this stuff because loneliness is one of the uh, the biggest um, pains of this entire thing. You just, 
you just feel lonely and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Even friends and relations saying, ever want to call me? Call me anytime, any time, any, any, any day, you know, day or night, it doesn't matter. Just, just, give me a, just give me a call. But you don't want to because you don't want to disturb them. You don't want to upset them. You don't want to give them your stresses and pressures or they've got their own to worry about. Right. We are going to have another piece of music. And then we're going to talk briefly uh, before you go about what's coming up here in Newark this coming week. And um, also a few plans for next spring, I think it is, isn't it? So we are talking to Captain Cranky Pants here in the studio right now, otherwise known as Trace Dan. And we've been talking about his presentations, the one that he's already done, um, why he's doing these presentations and his general background. So we've just got time before we say goodbye to catch up very quickly on what's happening on Tuesday evening here in Newark. Well, the first thing, but, but, but Jane, the first thing important, you haven't mentioned my Christmas jumper. I'm very sorry. This is true. Yes, yes. Um, it's magnificent. I wore it special very for uncranky. Radio. It is very uncranky because yes. I try to be uncranky. <laughs> but the other night at this, uh, at, in, in Devon, I was the only person not wearing dark colours. And when you come to the show, you'll see that I actually wear something that's a little bit different to what depressive people usually wear. And on Tuesday night at, at Carriages, it's going to be, um, well, it's just, it's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful evening, I think. We're going to go through what, um, what, I, what, what, what went wrong with me, why I went wrong, how it went wrong, and then how basically I fixed it uh, as best I could in my, in my own way. There's no facts and figures. There's no boring statistics. Um, and it, it's just trying to have a bit of fun and enjoying ourselves while we're going through this. There'll be some local people there as well. Shirley Novak, I think, is, is going to be yes, coming indeed, along yes. to, to provide some, some local support and to, and to give local people some some contacts if they if they need some contacts. I give a bunch of uh, local UK numbers, helpline numbers, at the right at the end of the, sh- the show uh, for people to have a look at. Uh, then there's there's been this music and there's a few jokes and there's a there's a lots of colour and movement from my from my part uh, in, in the thing. There's a few drinks at the start, so you can have a what? what, what is, what's that called? That drink that you you drink over prosecco. Here? Prosecco, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I, we don't have that in Australia, I don't. <laughs> uh, but there's orange juice as well, because of course alcohol, excessive use of alcohol and illicit drugs is depressive in itself, and uh, people don't want to do that type of type of thing too much if they're depressed. But we shall make it fun. So that's all happening at Carriages on Tuesday night from seven thirty onwards. Um, before you go, Trace, just tell people if they want to follow um, the rest of your journey. Yes. Where do they find your blog? Well, we have this this this, this young person thing called the internet, um, and it's Captain Cranky Pants, and it's it's it's, it's Captain C A P T A I N with a captain with a K for cranky rather than rather than a C. Uh, CaptainCrankyPants.com which is the blog itself. Then there's the Facebook page, and then there's the Facebook page, which links to my Trace Dan account, which then links to the Instagram account, which links to a Twitter account, which then links to some other account. And it got so confusing to me as a, as, as a person who's you know, in the late 50s that we've actually started to talk about talking to a social media experts now to try and understand all this 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 stuff that they do nowadays it's just it is just phenomenal uh, but captaincrankypants.com is the place to go and there's links there's events on the on the website pages and everything where you can actually just go straight through and click on the link and buy the tickets they're only 10 quid uh we're doing it fairly cheaply this time uh next year we're going to come back and do it again uh the carriages have asked me to go back again already devon have found a um a, a bigger venue next year 
actually being supported by one of the um, uh, ex-services clubs who are giving us a venue to use uh, at no cost. And hopefully that'll be bigger than uh, bigger than it was this year. Really Fantastic. Good. Well, thank you very much indeed for coming in. Good luck for Tuesday evening. And I'm not at all jealous that after Tuesday evening, fairly soon after Tuesday evening, you're heading to somewhere an awful lot warmer than Newark, aren't you? Um, June, don't be, be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> my house this morning, when it was three degrees here in Newark, it was 36 degrees in, <gasps> uh, uh, in my place. And we had to have the air conditioning on, which of course is dreadful in itself because you've got to oh, use, use electricity. <laughs> and as, the, as you can see, the electricity is spinning around. You can just get depressed as you realise how much it's going to cost you in... <laughs> In electricity bills. Well, well, we have the same thing here because we're using the electricity and the gas to keep the chill off. But um, I have to say that I would much rather be heading for warmer climbs um, and uh, hitchhiking back, a lift back with you to um, Australia. Trace, thank you very much indeed. We look forward to seeing you back in the um, country, in the area next year. And um, perhaps we'll talk to you again. Yeah, June, it's been fantastic. And, and to the listeners, you know, it's, it's great to be in your, um, in your kitchens this morning as you're having breakfast. I hope I didn't put you off too much. And you can always tell that I'm the Australian one because I'm the only person here who doesn't have an accent. Right. OK. We're-